morning, we're continuing our series. It's called Chain Reactions. And the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of when you make a decision, when something happens, usually there's something that follows. Like one thing leads to another, leads to another, and it leads to another. And so we started out with this idea that when we surrender our lives to Christ, we find freedom. And there's nothing else in this, this world that you can surrender your life to. Like you can surrender your life to a lot of things, and a lot of us don't even realize it. But there's a lot of things you can surrender your life to, but none of them equal freedom. Usually they equal, I've got a heavier life. I've got more stuff going on. I've got more struggle going on. But when we surrender our life to Christ, we find freedom. Last week, we talked about this idea of applying God's word to our life, that when we take his teaching and we apply it to our life, there's transformation. And this week, I want to dig into an idea that connects, an idea that I believe is just that next step. It's that next level. It's kind of like this level up. Like, we, we all want to get to a place where we say, God, I'm following you. Like, I've made the decision. Maybe you've come down to an altar. Maybe you've had that goosebumps moment in your life where you raised a hand or you said a prayer. And what a lot of us don't understand is there's so much more than a one-time decision. That there's purpose found in the life that, that Christ offers us. When we begin to apply his word to our life, things begin to change in our life. It's not saying, hey, like we don't like you, we want a different you. We're saying, God literally created you before you were even imagined. And when you begin to take those next steps and chase after him in the life he created you for, something happens. You find this sweet spot. You apply his word to your life and there's transformation. And today I want to talk to you about this idea that when you follow him, like if you say, I'm going to live my life for Christ, your life should look like Christ. I'm going to pray and we're going to dig in. Dear Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray that this morning we would all be challenged to take that next step, to, to find and see that movement that you want us to take today. God, I pray that we would all be challenged. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, this is what it says. It says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say they want to follow Christ, their life should look a little bit different. Here's how I'm wording it today. It's this idea of if you live for him, you should live like him. So last week I talked about applying God's word to our life, and I believe there's just this next level that when things begin to change in our lives, like our lives should look a little bit different. I don't know about you, but growing up I watched CSI. Anybody watch CSI? There's like 50 different versions now, right? Like there's probably a Mansfield CSI now on TV. Uh, Like you love the show because they dig in to how they find the culprit. They've got to find the evidence and compile this long list. Like, they can't just have one little piece of evidence that is going to convict somebody for what they did. But they've got to go through and find this huge list. Like, we love digging in. And they've got DNA samples under the microscope. They've got all this stuff that they're going to the crime scene. And they're finding just these these little things that maybe somebody left and they didn't mean to or whatever. Like, there's this evidence that just builds up and builds up. And it makes a case for something. And what I believe is that when you begin to follow Christ, your life should look like him. And there should be this level of like evidence that you follow God. That when you make the decision, 
You have that moment, you raise your hand, you say the prayer. Like I said, there's something so much more. And when you begin to take those steps, like your life should begin to look a little bit different. And I know all of us, we might be on a different level here or here, and maybe some of us are way here or we're in between. It doesn't matter where you're at. Like it's this constant, I'm going to keep growing, but the goal is to look like Christ. And I've got a different version of the scripture I just read in a little bit more. It's 1 John chapter 2. I'm starting at verse 2. And I, I just want you to read this with me today. I, I find it pretty challenging. It says, here's how we can be sure that we know God in the right way. It says, keep his commandments. If someone claims, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. His life doesn't match his words, but the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. It says this, it says, anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. I like the wording of, of this. It's challenging. Because like I said, it's, I try to constantly get to a place in my life where I take a step back and I analyze, like, what decisions am I making? How am I living my life? And as a Christian, you come into this new realm of saying, okay, I want to read God's word. I want to spend time with him. I want to pray. And I want to see something new. I want to see the evidence of this relationship. When you spend time with somebody, like, they begin to rub off on you, good or bad, right? Like, we've been married for about five years now and it's funny to look at where we started and where we're at now and like I've rubbed off on her she's rubbed off on me like we're both completely we're different because we've changed each other not in bad ways and some bad ways maybe but when the more time you spend with somebody the more you become like them and today I would just challenge you spend some time with God spend some time with him and let him shape you let him make you who he wants you to be. Last week I told you it's this idea when you apply God's word to your life. It's, it's this idea, not, not like a, a big old block of marble and he's chiseling you out, like chiseling you out. Um, it's more of this idea that honestly, by the time we come to Christ, like we are broken into pieces. And he picks us up and he begins to, to put us back together the way he created us to be. And we find that purpose and we dig into that passion and we see that there's been potential all along. But at some point, he starts putting the pieces back together. There should be that evidence. There should be something there that people can look to him like, wow, they've changed. Wow, like, there's something different about them. When I read this, and I'm just, I'm so challenged. But the problem is, is like, you get to know God, you want to be like him. But a lot of us know the world a little bit better than we know God. I've been there. <laughs> I'm still there, right? Like, it's this constant struggle, this internal battle that says, I, I want to be this. I don't want to fit into the culture, but I know I need to be following Jesus. I know, I know some things need to change in my life. And if you skip a little, a little bit in that, that same chapter, it says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's good. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all it's wanting, wanting, wanting. It's on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. You can't really change the world when you're just like the world. And today I want to talk to you about this idea of when you live for him, you should live like him because it's this idea of leveling up. And 
no matter where you're at today, all of us have this next step to take and say, okay, how can I be obedient to God when I, when I read this, when I dig into this idea of being like Christ? What are some, some steps that I can take? How can I apply this to my life as I walk out these doors and I go back to my normal life? Where I'm going to think about the same things I thought about yesterday. Where I go back to the same job I had yesterday. Well, not, maybe not yesterday. Hopefully. Hopefully you guys aren't working on the weekends. Come on. <laughs> Lord, help them. But it's this idea that there's this transformation that begins to take place. But it's not just... I'm reading God's word, I'm applying, but like there's something begins to change in who you are, the DNA that makes up you. And really it's you're just walking in who he created you to be. To know him, we've got to be like him. And to know him, we've got to study him. And today I want to read this passage of scripture that I believe we can see Jesus living his life and we can apply some of those things to our life and say, okay, for you, we can go home and crack open the Bible and we can read about instances Jesus actually lives out. It's there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I love to just watch what Jesus says. I love to see how he lives his life because that's how we should live our life. And maybe it's back in the day. Maybe things are a little bit different. But I can promise you there are some things that you can pull out from the way he lives his life. And you can apply it to your life. And it can be applied tomorrow at work. Or it can be applied later today in your marriage. I promise you, as you read through what Jesus says and the things he does, it's going to challenge you to be a better person. And all of us need to be challenged to say, okay, God, if I'm going to live my life for you, I want to live my life like you. So I've got just a couple of things today. And I want to begin reading in Luke chapter 18, verse 35. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho, it says, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And it says, when he heard the noise of a crowd going past... He asked what was happening. Verse 37, it says, they told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I love the first part of this, this passage because you see the blind beggar. He's, he's just chilling. I can only imagine he's just sitting on the side of the road. He's got his cup and he's asking for money. Every person that he hears walk by and he hears this commotion. What is happening? What's going on? So finally somebody stops and he asks him and they tell him and says, Jesus is coming this way. The cool thing about Jesus that we see in Scripture, and I, I love that it happened in the day and age that it did, is that people knew who Jesus was. They didn't have social media. Jesus wasn't tweeting, you know, and, and getting retweets. He wasn't posting pictures on Instagram and getting, like, shares, like, People knew who he was because word was literally spreading about who he was towns away from where he was. And so no matter where he went, people had this idea, this preconceived notion of who Jesus was. They knew that people were being healed. They knew that he was saying some crazy stuff that was different from the religious law that they've heard and they were used to. And they were like, man, this guy, like he was like a celebrity back then. And he was well-known without social media. He was well-known without cell phones. He was well-known without the internet. Like, that's a big deal. There must be something pretty special about him. And then we see Jesus is walking into town, and this blind beggar is just sitting there. It's an ordinary day. And he hears Jesus is coming by, and he begins to shout out for him. Have mercy on me. He knows. He's heard about him. 
And one thing I want to challenge all of us here today with, it's this idea of being known. That when you show up to work and when you're with your friends, when you're just living your ordinary life, people know that you follow God. Like they don't have to guess. They don't have to be like, okay, I saw the post they made that, that they, they read their Bible today, but then like, they, they, they kind of, like the way they talk at work doesn't really make it seem like that, that, that they actually read that, right? Like they don't just say they're a Christian and have the bumper sticker and the necklace and like the bracelet says John 3.16, but like there's evidence that you live your life for Christ. And one thing I would challenge all of us with is to say, am I known for being a Christ follower? Because Jesus was known. Places he'd never even stepped his foot, people knew who he was. And they began to shout for him. They began to chase after him. Mobs would just get together and they're waiting for him. Because they knew there was something special about him. They knew that there's, there's something maybe he has that I need. And the cool thing is when we're known to be a Christ follower, I, I promise you, people are attracted to you. Like not in the weird way, guys. Like <laughs> chill out, right? Like not in the oh, <laughs> but they are attracted to you because they begin to see you live your life differently than everybody else. When struggle happens, when circumstances pop up in your life and they're not ideal, they're not perfect. They're like, wow, like how is he going through that and not just going crazy? Like, how is, how, how is he walking through that? And it's not just shaking his life and he's cussing over here and doing this over here. And, like, he's so stable. How does he do that? Because when you live your life for him, you live your life like him. And it begins to change the perspective you have in life. It begins to change the way you make your decisions in life. And it all adds up to this idea of being known for something. We're all known for something, right? There's the guy that tells all the jokes. Some are funny, some are not. There's the person that you go to to talk about stuff because maybe they're wise. There's the people that you avoid sometimes. They're known for that. There's the people that just have really strong coffee breath sometimes, right? Like, people are known for something. What are you known for, and is it being a Christ follower? What are you known for? What do people think about you? Don't get, it, don't get too caught up in what people think about you, okay? Like, <laughs> that's not what I'm preaching today. I'm saying it's got to be this level of your identity and who you are that people know you're different. That they know you don't live by the world's ways. That you don't just dip into culture and do whatever the world says to do. Like, there's something different about your life, and it attracts people. They see it, and they want it. And it all starts with being known. And I can only tell you what being known can do in, in your level of, like, changing the world. In your level of living out your life for Christ and leading other people to do the same thing. You've got to have the evidence. Some of us can talk big. Some of us can post things on social media big. Some of us wear the t-shirts and all the stuff big. But can I challenge you to go big on actually living it out and having the evidence of it in your life? It's challenging. I'm stepping on toes, but, like, it's good because we've got to be challenged. We've got to read this. We've got to think, I need to be like Jesus. And I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not saying you can't mess up. I'm not saying you can't slip a bad word in every now and then. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying do your best to be like Jesus. It's your life. 
You get one shot. What are you known for? What are you known for? Verse 39, it says, be quiet. The people in the front yelled at him. Let's be honest. The world is always going to tell us to shut up, especially when we're shouting after Jesus. Come on, especially when we need Jesus in our lives. Like, they're always going to shut you down. Don't let them. And it didn't let him. It says, but he only shouted louder. That's a challenge today. I don't know about you. I'm reading this. I'm like, wow. It says, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 40, it says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. Second thing I want to challenge you with is we got to be known. We've got to have the evidence there. We've got to lay this foundation in our reputation to be known as a Christ follower. But this next idea is I love, see, I love seeing this in Jesus' life. Like it happens so often. Almost every story, he lives out this idea of being loved. It's challenging. Because we all live very busy lives. We've got the day planned out for the next couple weeks. We know we've got this going on, we've got this meeting, and then we've got to go pick up our kids here, and we've got to go to the grocery store. We didn't get to do the Walmart pickup, so it's going to take longer. And, like, it just adds up and adds up and adds up, and we just, we're overloaded. And when things pop up and we have the chance to show love in our life, usually it's an inconvenience. So sometimes, maybe all the time, instead of going off here and, Knowing that there's an opportunity to be love in, a, in this world, and it just desperately needs it, let's be honest. We keep going. Can I challenge you to look for the inconveniences in life? Can I challenge you, if we're going to live out this life like Christ has called us to, there's got to be the evidence, right? It's got to be there, and a piece of that evidence, a huge chunk of being like Jesus is being love. Can I tell you that sometimes unwanted inconveniences become unexpected investments? We all like investments. Man, we all wish we would have got in on Amazon way back when. Wish we would have had some of that original Apple stock right now. Can I tell you that there's investments that can be made in people's life every single day. They're literally waiting for someone to walk into their life and show them the love of Christ. And it can be you. Like, stop acting like somebody else is going to show up and save the day and be the superhero. But some of you are like, I can't be the superhero. Like, I'm just trying to get my life figured out. Yes, you can. It doesn't matter if you're dipping your toe in the water of Christianity or if you've been saved for forever. We can all take that next step and say, I want to live out love in my life. I want to go to the people that might seem inconvenient. They might seem like they're going to suck all my time away. But I can invest in their life. And I promise you what happens is there's this investment made with your time and with your heart and with your mind. And we, we live out this idea of being loved and it changes people's lives. And sometimes it starts with a little spark here and all of a sudden it's a forest fire. And that one person comes to know the love of Jesus through you and they go show that to other people. And I think about what would happen in, in this community if we actually lived this out. Can we be love? It's inconvenient. It's not easy. But time and time again, I read the life of Jesus, and he stops. He's got stuff going on. He's Jesus. He's busy. Probably a little busier than you are. He's Jesus. 
Can we just press the brakes sometimes? And think, how, how can I be love for someone today? And sometimes you gotta like, you gotta step out there and actually do something. Like maybe you don't see the opportunity, but you, you know, like, man, it would mean the world if I just texted my friend and said, hey, I'm praying for you today. If you need anything, let me know. Like, can that just be a simple next step for all of us here? Like, we can do that. And they might unload a ton of stuff on you. It might be very inconvenient. It might be a phone call that lasts an hour. But we can be love. We can be like Jesus. And this idea of being like Jesus sounds very intimidating. It sounds like, man, how can I measure up to, to Jesus? Honestly, like, it's a lot easier than you think sometimes. Stop acting like you're so busy. Stop acting like you are the biggest thing that's ever happened in this world. And just serve people. Love people. Put other people before yourself. It's the best way to live, I promise. Got to be love. Got to live it out. It says, as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Go find somebody and ask them that question. They probably don't know. We live in a world where we, like, and I'm saying all this, and I'm just imagining a bunch of people, like, going to find somebody, and then they're like, okay, I'm going to just unload all the wisdom that I have. And then you just, you end up talking more than they do, right? Like, can I just challenge you to do one very simple thing that I think Jesus does very well? It's he listens. And I think listening is a big part of loving. <laughs> I'm challenging myself up here, right? Like, I'm the worst listener sometimes. But maybe today, if anything I walk away with, I can just take that little baby step of like, I'm going to listen to people better. It'll change everything. Listen to people. Ask one question that takes 15 seconds, and then listen to somebody talk for 15 minutes. And maybe in, instead of just unloading all the wisdom, instead of just thinking, oh, I've got the solution to your problem. Maybe sometimes we just listen to them, let them get it all out, and then just pray with them and encourage them and walk with them. Don't think that you've got the answer because what I've learned most of the time is when people come to talk to me about something, they don't really care what I have to say. I, I tell them this, and like I've been a youth pastor for the last 10 years, and I say one thing, and it goes, whoosh. I promise you. But it's when I follow up with them. And they've had some time to kind of think through it. They've, they've had some time to get past it. And now I can say, hey, how are you doing with this? Maybe, you, maybe this, if, if you change this in your life, maybe something can happen. I'm telling you, this idea of being love, it will change everything. It'll change your relationships. It'll change, like, honestly, it's, it's, it's work sometimes. Honestly, it's not the easiest thing to do. But it's so worth the inconvenience. We can do it. If you continue reading, it says, Lord, he said, I want to see. Like, we all know the answer, right? Like, we all know what this guy wants. He wants to see. He's been sitting on the curb for a long time, just waiting for something to come by. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And it says, instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God, too. I love this part of the story. We all love this part of the story because it's like, yeah. There's no telling the years that went by 
the cold days, the rainy days, the nasty days, the sweaty days. This guy's just been sitting on the road, waiting, just waiting for somebody. Just waiting. And this guy thought he knew what he needed. He's blind, so he wants to see. The funny thing is, is that Jesus pops up, and really, he didn't just need a sight. He needed Jesus. Can I challenge you to be the need? People are waiting out there for all the answers. They're waiting for all of their problems to just go away. And they've prayed for the bank account to look a lot better. They've prayed for their hair to grow back. They've prayed for this and this. And they've asked for this and this. And like the list just goes and it gets really big. And they thought they needed the solution, but really they needed Jesus in their life. This guy has been waiting forever, waiting on a solution, waiting for someone to come by and heal him to make his life better. And I can only imagine like Jesus is walking in and he's like, maybe this is my shot. And he thinks the need is his sight when really the need is Jesus. Can I tell you how many people you walk by every single day and they need something? Maybe you're here today and like you need something in your life. And you've just been waiting. You've been waiting for something to come by and fix it all. You've been waiting for this and this and this. Like the list just goes on. And I can only imagine in, in your own personal life, it's, it's specific to you and what you're going through. But honestly, it's probably pretty similar. What I've learned is that when you get in community, you realize like you think you're the only person going through this struggle. And you think you're the only person that's dealing with this. When really like most of us are struggling or dealing with that same thing. It's pretty freeing to spend some time in community and to be vulnerable. What I'm saying is people need you to be Jesus in their life. They need you to be known because if you're not known, they're not going to know to go to you. They're not going to know that they need you. And if you're not living out this idea of love, like, honestly, that's the evidence to back it all up. You've got to be the need. We've got to see the situations. We've got to see the desperation. We've got to analyze what's going on. And like I said, it's work, y'all. It's not easy. And for some of us, it's so much easier to go about our normal lives, but this is the inconvenient part. And this is how you can be Jesus in your life. You be the need for somebody. I've got an email that I was sent a few years ago. I'm going to close with this. And I was a youth pastor at LifeGate Church in Burleson. Shout out to them. They're our parent church. We love them. We love Chad and Amber Benson. We literally wouldn't be here without them. And um, this has been five or six years ago. And um, there's a guy that walked through the doors of the church there. And I got to know him a little bit. And he's really quiet. (laughs) Big red beard. Just very hard. Like just... You know, like I walked, like he walked in every Sunday and I thought, this guy hates being here. Like he's got the worst facial expression, looks so unhappy. But every Sunday, I made a challenge to be at that front door. And if you know me, like I'm just like, hey, you know, like I, I want to make people smile and I want to make them feel welcome. And so it, it wasn't much different 
right here in this situation. He walked in multiple times and he, he would always wear this Boston Red Sox hoodie. And I was like, well, I like baseball. And so he would walk in and I'd say, hey, you like the Red Sox? I'm like, well, of course he likes the Red Sox. He wears his hoodie all the time. But I'm just trying to start some conversation. And he kind of, yeah, yeah, I like the Red Sox. And honestly, I think he said that and like walked away. <laughs> just looked angry the whole time. And so over the, like, the course of the next few weeks and the next few months, like, I just tried to like spark some conversation with him. I'm like, this guy, like his wife throws him in the car on Sundays. He hates church. She's bringing him every week, like, Until I got this email. He says, Seth, real men do cry. I've been a lost man for about the last 12 years of my life. One Sunday morning in January, I walk into the doors of LifeGate Church, and you greeted me and asked me about the Red Sox. <laughs> it's that easy, y'all. Just got to find the way to somebody's heart. Like, that's really what it is. He says, you didn't know anything about me, but you didn't care. You had no idea who I was or what I had been through, but you didn't care. I was a rough soul who had been through a lot. An angry man who could, could not and did not want to see happiness. <clears throat> Every Sunday I would walk through those doors to you smiling and asking me about the Red Sox. You never pushed anything on me. You made me feel comfortable. You made me feel welcome. I don't trust anyone. Matter of fact, it took me seven years to get married. My wife knows the struggles of trust I have. God worked through you to get to me. God put you at that front door one Sunday from me to me. God told you that the Red Sox were the key to my heart. And he put laugh out loud, which is kind of crazy to think that he would put laugh out loud in anything. God was there when we would talk about baseball. He says, I've been a mean, rough, around the edges man my entire life. Never letting anyone in. Never trusting people. I fought the hard way, was angry, and, excuse the language, it says, pissed off my entire life. Until that day I walked into your office. My, my wife didn't believe me that I was actually going to talk to you after that interview. She thought I was kidding. It says, that day you changed my life. I know you work with kids and youth, but I want you to know that you made a prideful, angry, and hostile man come to his knees. For the past few months, I've been watching you, trying to live by your example. The day you told me you were leaving, I cried. I haven't cried in a long time. I cried out of sadness, of course, but I also cried out of excitement. He said, you've made more of an impact on my life than you will ever know. The text back and forth meant the world to me. I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for not judging me. Thank you for taking in a hard soul. Thank you for loving God. Because of that love, you brought me back. I want you to know that you weren't only there for the youth, but you made a big, dumb, hillbilly redneck like me feel welcome. You saved a big, dumb, hillbilly redneck like me. Trust is everything to me. I trust you, and I trust God now. I got that email. I was like, wow. <laughs> like, I've talked to him a few times. We've talked about the Red Sox. I've sent him a few texts. Could I have not done that stuff? Of course. Could I just let him walk into church every week looking like he is angry? Yeah. But I welcome the inconvenience. 
And I don't read this to just brag on me. I don't read this to say, look at me, look what I've done. But it's a personal example of my life that I've seen that when you just take that step towards being like Christ, like it changes people. And who knows where he would be if I didn't talk to him about baseball? Who knows where he would be if no one would have taken the time to just get to know him a little bit? He referenced when I told him that I was leaving, we, we moved to Lufkin, and so I told him that, and one day he came to my office. And he had a Walmart sack in his hand, and um, he said, this is for you. And of course, when somebody hands you a Walmart sack, you have no idea what's in there, right? And I, I open it up, and it's this baseball in a case. And so I look at it, and it's got some scribble on it. It says, Nolan Ryan told me that years ago, like when he was young, his dad got him that baseball. He said that his entire life growing up, he wanted to be like Nolan Ryan. And he handed me that bag and opened it up. He says, all my life I've wanted to be like Nolan. He says, now I want to be like you. <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> you don't need to be like me. And to be honest, I don't think he was attracted to the me. He saw Jesus in me. And I want to challenge all of you. Maybe you get an email like this one day, and maybe you never know the investment that you make. But we can all be challenged to say, God, how can I be more like you? How can I take a next step and keep moving towards the person you created me to be? And through that process, I become more like you. We can all be challenged to say, God, how can I do it? What do I have to be? Who do I need to look for? What can I do in my life to show people the love of Christ? How can I be, how can I work harder to be known as a Christ follower wherever I'm at, if it's at the store or in my workplace or even at home or at the family reunion, wherever you're at, we can all be challenged to say, I need to be more like him. If I'm gonna live my life for him, you ought to live it like him.